right. So hopefully everybody are getting, everybody's getting some handouts uh, from our church, and uh, just a, one of them is the sermon outline, and uh, another is sort of a summary of what we've been doing in the Mercy Warehouse. I felt the Lord really distinctly, uh, distinctly spoke to me about talking about uh, what I'll just call the Joseph Company. And um, so maybe you've heard that term in other contexts, uh, but in the context I'm going to give it, um, I want to talk about how God raised up Joseph uh, in really the power center of the world at that time to actually be a tremendous champion of justice and uh, help the weak and help the broken and actually save his own family's life from a horrible threat uh, that happened, right, in that time of history and a horrible drought and uh, a terrible um, famine. And so many of us are familiar with Joseph's story. And um, so I, I think of the time we're living in, I often think of Joseph. Um, I often think of, of how God used him uh, to be the bridge between uh, absolute disaster and, and the authorities that were in charge at the time, right? And so it seems like to me... Uh, rightfully or wrongly sometimes, sometimes good, sometimes kind of weakly, it seems that there's these uh, alliances that have been formed uh, uh, between God's spiritual people and at times governing authorities, right? And uh, it's an uneasy alliance because uh, those that uh, are above us aren't always the most godly of people, right, as we're going to see actually in this whole story. Yet together, maybe by God's grace and by... Uh, God's people acting in the right way and learning to believe God, I think we might be able to see some forgery of some amazing things uh, could happen uh, for the weak, the broken uh, in our culture and around the world. And so um, I want to just call us the Joseph Company, uh, God's church, right? But the Joseph Company, you have to remember, also uh, included uh, not only Joseph, right, who was at the center of it, but also uh, this person, named Pharaoh, who was one of the world's richest leaders. And of course, everything that goes along with it, the vileness and the, the uh, murder and the intrigue and all of it, right? And so somehow or another, this uh, poor Hebrew kid ends up right at the highest echelons of authority, ruling and reigning right along this uh, incredible uh, uh, political patriarch, right? How many of you know, if you look at your outline, we're living in the day of conundrums and enigmas? <laughs> so this disease, the, you know, the COVID thing, and everything related to it, and all the stirring that's happened over the last several years, connected to all kinds of political issues, wars, and rumors of wars, all of it, you know, it shouldn't disturb us too much. God warned us of wars and rumors of wars. And by the way, if you look in your history books, wars and rumors of wars <laughs> have been in the mix forever, from history long ago till now, right? So that's because there's a real-life devil and real-life failure and real-life greedy people and so on and so forth. But I'd say the last several years have been especially a, a, a time of conundrums and enigmas. So let me define those. Enigma, a person or thing that is hard to understand. Riddle, a mystery. Conundrum, any puzzling or difficult problem, any puzzling or a difficult problem. So I want to turn to Luke chapter 21. Start here with verses 25 to 8. About the end times, Jesus said, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth, 
right? He says that just after verse 24 about Israel. They'll be taken by the sword, will be taken as prisoners to all the nations, which happened uh, about A.D. 70. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles, A.D. 70, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So the timing of the Jews coming back to their own land is an amazing thing there. So after all those centuries being trampled on by the Gentiles, and now they've come into their own land. And by the year, they get stronger politically, economically. They're more, more powerful. They aren't just a minor force in the Middle East. They're a major force, a major political force in the cauldron of all those crazy things that are happening uh, over there, right? So then he says this. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. So the Gentiles have, times of the Gentiles haven't been fulfilled. We're still in this place. But, but something's changed with Israel coming back. And then also with regard to human history, something's changed. And it seems to be more dramatic every year that goes by, especially as we've entered into the 19s and the 20s of 2000. So this is what he says. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity. Seen any nations in anguish and perplexity lately? I mean, whole nations trying to figure out the simplest of things. They were doing okay with their elections, and now they, they're in total turmoil. They're upside down. Perplexing at the roaring and tossing of the sea, even events that we're worried about. The entire world seems to be on edge, for example, about climate, right? It's just a term, at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. But how much money is being wasted and then some well-invested in trying to figure out the tossing of the seas, right? Trying to, wow. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, so in the midst of this sort of environment, it says there, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. So, we also have there in the background, in the midst of ominous signs, signs that we didn't think could even be get possibly worse or be possibly in the place they're in right now, before us. Things even 20 years ago we didn't imagine. Even 10 years ago we didn't imagine. Amazing, major things in our economy, major things in our government, major things swirling. If there aren't enigmas and conundrums in our day, I don't know <laughs> what would qualify for that, right? So Pharaoh in Joseph's day had an enigma and a conundrum. So I'm going to use those crazy words. So let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 41. And I want to just read uh, verses uh, 1 to 16 and 25 to 32. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, uh, uh, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again, and a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning... His mind 
was troubled, so he sent for all the musicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, each giving each giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled, killed. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. It's amazing. This is a desperate situation. Somehow this ancient man knew that something was really bad happening, but he didn't know what it was. And he had to know. Sometimes when I look at these ancient rulers and things, you know, we think of how bloody, how horrible they were. But when I look at our present rulers, I think you can define them by one word, hardness of heart. They've become so pagan, they're hard. They they have no fear of God in them. Even in the ancient rulers, when things began to go south, you see evidence and story after story in the Bible of a sensitivity of like, maybe things... Maybe I'm not as powerful as I thought I was. Maybe things are messed up here, right? Maybe I, I'm, I got a hold of the wrong God. And of course, in that day, they, were, they still had somewhat of a spiritual worldview throughout history. You know, they've had that till our actual 21st century, which makes the wickedness now in the 20s, 2020s, even more, so, more accentuated because what's happened is you've taken God and religion out of everything and you've hardened, right, in the name of our own religion, which is worshiping humanity. If you thought worshiping Satan was horrible, just try people worshiping themselves and humans and see where that takes you. It's the way the enemy really dupes us. Because nobody's going to get really too excited about somebody worshiping you know, some weirdo spiritual thing. Our society is sort of a secular worldview anyway, so it's sort of hard to imagine witchcraft and those sort of things don't get our culture so riled up. But what does get us riled up is the worship of us. <laughs> we really like that. And people, right? So we idolize all kinds of ways. You know, there's going to be a Super Bowl coming up and everybody's talking, you know, and all of that. And from all the way from the sports and the entertainment industry all the way to the politics, this worship of humanity is pretty powerful, but also, could I say, very, very strong. So these words, we don't even quite understand how the ruler of the known world, a pretty gigantic ruler, would even, like, even be concerned about such matters. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. I mean... He hears a rumor that this guy down in the dungeon, in his dungeon, can interpret dreams, so he brings them right up. So there's a bit of humility there. There's something about this there. The dream rattled his cage. He knew something spiritual was happening. He just didn't know what it was, and he was concerned. He was really concerned. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. What confidence. So we know a little bit about the story of Joseph, his background, you know. (laughs) The thing that got him to Egypt in the first place is he had a dream. (laughs) And he figured out what the dream was interpreting. He told his brothers, and basically he was going to be the ruler of all of them, and they didn't like it, so they sold him away to Egypt They would have killed him except for Reuben. And he ends up in Egypt unbeknownst to them. This is where we get the word Joseph Company. So he ends up 
in the bottom of a jail because once he gets to Egypt, his gift starts working again. He begins to rule and reign in this Potiphar guy house. But then his wife likes him too much and she traps him and because uh, he won't respond to her and he ends up in a dungeon uh, because of it. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. So he tells him the dream, right? God, one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Sometimes I wonder if uh, God may do that in history. God reviewed, uh, revealed to figures, you know, political figures, about what God he's about to do, right? Um, we don't see much of that because they're too busy worshiping themselves. But, but I think... And we might see more of that. I think we saw, we've been seeing uh, more inklings of Joseph's having access to the highest echelons of government, whether they listen or not. Uh, it's been happening more and more frequently. I, I know that because of friends of mine, people I know, who have actually gained access. Interestingly enough, part of that access is also to the new rulers of the world. The real rulers of the world aren't necessarily political figures. They're more economic figures these days. Uh, people over large, gigantic corporations and companies controlling large amounts of money, right? And so, interestingly enough, uh, the contact between those people, those kinds of people that have authority in the earth, is uh, increasing between uh, prophetic figures and church figures from time to time. I keep getting wind of that more and more. It's a very interesting situation, but you would expect it to happen, especially in our day, in our time. With the advent of the prophetic ministry and prophetic awareness of God and the church at an all-time high and business leaders and their authority in the earth at an all-time high. It's interesting, those two are meant for a collision, right? A connection. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Now every business person, every authority, every politician wants to know what's next, right? If you can get any kind of inside information, this is really good news, right? Especially this guy who had a horrible dream and he knows something up, he just doesn't know what that is, right? The seven good cows, he says, are seven years. The seven good heads of grain are seven years. It's one on the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It's just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. That was an understatement. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. They won't even be able to remember when there was a good time. The reason the Pharaoh was given to Pharaoh in two forms, and here's an amazing thing. Evidently there is some art to this prophetic thing something he had learned from the Lord throughout his all dream activity and his revelation activity. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. So he knows this thing's right upon him. It could have been delayed. Yeah, in a long time from now, whatever. He says, no, it's happening now. And that's why Pharaoh was so concerned. He felt the urgency of the hour, right? So we have a dream that no one could interpret, Right? And then a catastrophe looming that threatened Egypt and also by the whole world. So I believe at this time, like God, Joseph, God's calling the church into a place of confidence and problem solving. I suppose we could call it the Joseph Company. I believe the Lord is, just like Joseph, is bringing us into this, this place. Uh, and I think, if nothing else, for our own self and our own well-being, 
knowing the prudent way to handle things, uh, would give us about a C minus for how we've handled the crisis so far in terms of awareness of revelation. But a few years ago, it could have been a D or an F, <laughs> so I've grown a little bit. I believe that we got a, a little bit beyond, no, I'd say way beyond our headlights in trying to forecast who's going to be the president and other issues like that, which makes you uh, wonder what else we're getting prophetically wrong. However, before I go any farther, I want to just say, though, it's progress. We've been making progress. That's why we continue to feel like prophetic ministry and learning to hear God's voice and cultivating that in our church and in the churches is absolutely paramount for the days we're moving in. Actually, it's always been paramount to have eyes to see, to hear what God's saying. Because prophetic ministry doesn't just mean the big guys up there. It means people that, who have, seem to have a lot of revelation or insight. But in its best, it's when prophetic, as according to the New Testament, prophets in the New Testament, what they do best is they equip everybody to hear God's voice better. That's what their job is, to equip, to raise the level of awareness of when God is speaking to you, Right? So that's why we have a, uh, have a big, make a big deal of prophetic ministry and having prophetic teams and prophetic conferences. And uh, we have prophetic classes, which we're doing right now, because I think all of us could learn to hear God's voice better. And it's amazing how hearing God's voice is, uh, has some interesting things in common. You know, There are certain signs, symbols, certain things that when we dream, certain things that we uh, uh, know are... are um, actually symbolic of other things. So it's very powerful to begin to learn those symbols and just common things, you know, common things that we've learned that uh, are very helpful if you didn't know them, and uh, you know, uh, uh, if, if you didn't know them and you know them now. So I, I believe that we are a prophetic generation. I, I believe that we've had some uh, major activity. We've had some ups and downs in this area. We're, we're learning, I think, uh, better and better. I think the learning that's going on in the body of Christ now is precisely because we're entering difficult, difficult stages of history. So like I said, we, we've entered a difficult stage with the COVID crisis and the political crises and so on and so forth. And so I wouldn't give us an A on how we've done with that. I'll give a whole body of Christ a fairly low grade, not an F though. I'd say we've been fairly average. I think that um, as we grow and mature, as the church, and I'm just talking about our church, the church, I think we're going to become better at this. So instead of um, looking down at our failures or looking at this or that, just appreciate that God is returning without a doubt in our century. And I'm talking about a long time ago, I'm talking about right now, bringing a prophetic voice to the church and awareness of God, aware of God in the marketplace. We should say it that way, right? He is absolutely doing that, right? And it's really kind of an interesting day to live in, so I think all of us churches need to kind of get sharpened up in our ability to hear God vo God's voice for ourselves, and then also equipped uh, to hear God's voice maybe for our environment, right? Many of you had to make such hard decisions in this time. I don't know that I've ever been in a time where more people had to make more hard decisions about vaccine or no vaccine, you know, this job, that job, quit, stay, <laughs> move to another part of the country, which <laughs> is another whole thing. So don't get me started on that one because uh, just be careful about the moving thing. Whenever you move, you change your life more dramatically than you can imagine. You don't know the root system that you have in place. I'm not even talking about your physical root system. I'm talking about your spiritual root system that's in place because God has a place and a time for you 
you are designated for territory, areas you're supposed to live in, and there's areas where you're not supposed to live in, right? And so I'm amazed at some of the reactions of our day, but what's surprising to me, even this day on the good side, is how we have seen some of the most amazing moves, like, for example, Heidi Baker and her husband and a whole crew of them living in the midst of the most worst conditions you could possibly live in. Their life threatened all the time, but not afraid because it's God's place for them. That's where they belong. They're safest in Mozambique, right, where there's total lawlessness, total chaos, but they're safest there. That's where they belong. Don't worry about their safety. They're where they belong, right? And they travel where they belong at ease. They don't even think about, well, what's happened on the other... They belong there, so that's where they go, right? I'm not so sure how we're evaluating that, right? But because our service to the Lord is first. We are the Joseph Company. We literally walk to the beat of a different drummer. The safest place you can be is where God wants you. That's the safest place you can be. And where you're going to do well financially, I don't care what it looks like. You'll do the best financially where God wants you. This is really important uh, in this title. So it's really good that we get, uh, really important that we get our ears right in trying to hear God's voice, right? So if you look at point A on your outline, the enigmas we face in everyday life prepare us to be a blessing to the world around us. For example, Joseph even saved his own father and money, uh, family through the trial he faced. And so we see in Genesis chapter uh, 45, verse 10, 11, he goes, he, he tells his brothers, make it there because they're in need of food. And you know the story, most of you probably do. But he says this, you shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who will belong to you will become destitute. Now, what's really interesting about that is, wasn't Canaan the promised land? Couldn't they make a good case for staying there? Right? I'm not leaving. Well, Joseph says, yes, you won't leave, but for five years you need to stay here for a while, <laughs> and I've got a place for you till you can get back to where we belong, all of us belong. If anyone had a title to the land they lived in and to its prosperity, it was Joseph and his family, right? And so after the famine, they end up going back again, right? But there's some years and so Joseph heard God's voice about it, understood what God was doing. It's very fascinating. He, reviewed, he, rev, uh, he revealed this to a Hebrew, to God's representation on earth. He gave it to the church. Can I say that again? He gave it to the church. And in this day and age where people are filled with the Holy Spirit in a way that they couldn't even imagine in the Old Testament, he will give it to you and to your family. He will tell you the way you're supposed to go. One thing that I find this deafens the voice of God is fear. And fear has lots of disguises. Sometimes fear manifests by uh, absolutely working way too hard, right? To the extent of destroying some other things that you should be paying attention to, right? Sometimes fear manifests in the name of sacrifice, but it's not really sacrifice, it's self-worship. You can always tell by how a person handles that and says and what he talks about, right? Most sacrifice is best done in secret, right? When God's leading you to a place. And there's other things, right? But I don't want to get in too deep into the weeds on that, but 
Joseph learned in his distress the confidence of the Lord. And so I think that's really, really important. Could it be that in our day and time, we're learning the confidence of the Lord, right? Genesis 41. I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you, you can hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph had already been hearing the voice of the Lord. He had such confidence because he had already been through a few phases and a few steps. And I think that's extremely important for us to realize that um, it didn't just suddenly he has this thing happen. He had been cultivating this voice ever since he was a young man. And that's how he ended up in the, in the dungeon in the first place, right? He ended up there because he, because he made the mistake of telling his older brothers this dream where they bow, basically bowed down and, and worshipped him, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 9, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and servants, and ourselves as, serv- as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let the sh- light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the no- light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But then he says this, and I just want you to, I want to really emphasize this because it's very powerful and it's just so much we need to know about ourselves. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing po- all power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not uh, crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be also revealed in our mortal body. So this hearing of God's voice, this walk with the Lord... uh, can be a, a little bit brutal at times, right? These verses that I'm were persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. But all the while, and the whole process with regard, it's just like it was with Joseph, whether up or down, whether in a dungeon or not, always hearing God's voice, always walking to the beat of a different drummer. I believe as we proceed in time, the issues of our life are going to be more and more defined like this. Um, I have a little bit of prophetic sense. I've been developing it over a long period of time. Um, I've actually developed enough prophetic sense to not say much anymore. (laughs) Because I might, it's an important lesson. I may know things, but I'm not always supposed to talk about them. Today, one of the mistakes that's being made in the prophetic ministry is everybody thinks that they get a prophetic word, they're supposed to share it publicly online. And then they go turn around and make a large amounts of money doing that, right? They have the latest thing, right? But I think probably in the true context when prophetic ministry is working the best, it probably works the best in difficult times, individual times and corporate times, but not everything is supposed to be said out loud, right? Matter of fact, I think maybe more is to be learned quietly and guided quietly. And actually sometimes when I'm making hard decisions, I don't want hardly anyone to know until I've really feel like I've gotten some kind of decision about it, right, in my inner person, because I know me and God have to make this fight. We have to tussle it till I finally get clear, right? And then if somebody gives me a word from the outside, then it's just, okay, that strengthens me, but I'm already moving, right? <clears throat> I suppose there have been times when we need to be re- uh, um, redirected, 
But I'll say, I think it's harder to uh, it's easier to drive a moving car than it's one stayed still, right? So I may be driving, I may feel like I heard the Lord going the wrong direction, my car is moving, and I'm turning my wheel that way. But if I need to, and maybe there's another word come from another place, and it's helping me, then I may have to just straighten out the wheel a little bit. Okay, this way or that way, and then I can evaluate, right? So we need each other as well to help us, and especially to balance our harder decisions on. But I believe everybody in this room, everybody listening to me knows that this has been a time of decision. It's been a time of trying to make decisions maybe in the midst of very difficult circumstances. And unfortunately, I think a lot of us have done it uh, totally alone or totally ill-equipped, I would say. So one of the things that we try to do around here is try to help you to hear, you know, try to equip you to hear. Our goal is for you to hear on your own what you're supposed to do because ultimately you're responsible. And if you get a word then from someone else out there, then to be able to properly have enough confidence to properly evaluate that in the context of what you've already heard, right? So I think that's really, really important. And uh, in Joseph's time, <clears throat> there was enough trial and trouble going on that they knew that they had to make some kind of change. So it was quite easy for him to say, go back and get dad, you know, it's time. And I'm sure uh, Israel probably didn't leave easily, uh, but he came, right? So <clears throat> look at point B there. Joseph learned in his distress the confidence of the Lord. And there's a power of our testimony to encourage others. I just love prophetic testimony so we can encourage one another. There's a, we need to have a lifestyle of seeing God's in, intervention. It builds, also builds confidence in us, right? And so we kind of get down to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, we're looking at this David who's actually emerging in this prophetic apostolic, if we say it in our terms, but kingly maybe in their terms, calling, right? And so these verses are so powerful as we look at David because I think what God's doing with us, he's making us this Joseph company, but we're growing through the trouble, which means that I believe in the time that we're in, because of all the trouble, we are growing by leaps and bounds or should be growing by leaps and bounds in our ability to hear God's voice. In other words, if, if you didn't learn anything through this trial, you should be learning how to hear God's voice for your own circumstances, for your own life. I, I can't believe how many decisions we've had to make with regard to the church from the very beginning since this pandemic came till now. And we had to make huge decisions about meeting or not meeting, and some of those decisions were just based on pure revelation and nothing else, like keeping the warehouse open. And we didn't shut it. We kept it open, and we actually kept feeding people, right? But that was really hard. Because we got people coming in and out of there and all this and, and keeping the, contribu the contributions were coming, which meant we had to stay up late in the evening, sometimes one or two in the morning for weeks on end because we couldn't get all this stuff in. We kept it open. We kept that place open. That was something God spoke to us, so we guarded it. So in the middle of that, it did not feel so great, especially when we're on a forklift at two in the morning or just worried all the time about mass or not mass and people coming in and out off the street and all of this whole thing, just, you know, I'm thinking, golly, am I putting people in danger? Am I doing the right, what, you know, oh my gosh, you know. So I just keep going back, going back. And I just felt, no, uh, God, leave, God let us leave the thing open, leave the thing open. So we did. Because actually, we've always felt like that warehouse has a Joseph-like capacity. It was meant for those kinds of times. So we're thinking to ourselves, we were meant, the warehouse exists, the Mercy Warehouse, if you don't know what that is, 
the building across the way. Um, and we feed people from the sales of stuff that's donated. And we do house people and all kinds of benevolence things. But, but the thing is, if it was for anything, I figured, this is our hour. Why would I close this thing up in our hour, right? But it was hard still because of all the yakety yak yak, exposing people to disease and this. And it was significant. You guys know, and it still is. Still out there. So many of us, for our jobs and our... We're trying to make decisions about it, you know, and the, and the decisions not always, as a matter of fact, the hardest decisions, and even prophetically speaking, this is a fallacy a lot of us have, we think that it's going to be black and white. But the hardest decisions to make are not black and white. they got gray in them, right? We love to be black and white. The only reason why we like to be black and white is because it makes us feel more secure. But God speaks, and then He changes His mind, and He turns this way, and He does this, and he turns, it, it is an ongoing process. So, thus says the Lord, and then we hear that, and then we walk in that word. But, by the way, man does not live on bread alone, but what? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So that means, like the word you got a few days ago, because you are made to hear God's word, His voice, you know, may have sustained you for those days or those weeks or whatever, but there's maybe something else, right? So that's why we're getting in trouble with regard to some of the prophetic ministry, because they're too wooden, Right? We hear a word, and we don't hear God ourselves, and we don't contextualize it. So we think that word is specifically for us when it's probably for other people, or we think that thing is just forever and won't change, right? And uh, as a matter of fact, I, I had received a word uh, one time, and it was a powerful word, right? Uh, and uh, it was actually a word that was spoken of our, our, our life as a family, and uh, it was given by a prophet, a true prophet. I mean, by me that is, well, true. I, that's the wrong way. I don't like to use that word. Everybody's a true prophet. You just may not be as good at it as other people, right, for where you're <laughs> developing, right? So if you're a Christian, you're trying to hear God's voice. So, so I don't mean a true prophet. I, I mean, uh, let's say a very seasoned uh, prophet in his years who have been doing this for years. So he looks over at... Uh, this is in Texas to my wife. She was there visiting, and we had been really confused about where we were supposed to go and, and uh, all. And uh, so uh, he says to her section, over in this section, I don't think it was directly to her, but in her sections, but it hit her like it was right to her. He said, and you will move and move no more. Well, for us, we had moved like umpteen times in 10 years, like probably twice a year for years and years. We'd just been moving like gypsies, right? Right? And we were trying to buy a house, right? And so it was really a big deal to us, uh, just stop moving, just stop moving. By the time you get to like your fourth kid, no, I don't want to move. I can't move anymore, right? So, uh, so. In response to that word, Jeanette got really excited because our next move, she felt, was going to be the last one uh, for a long time. And it turns out she was absolutely right. And um, so we ended up in this house right, and, uh, and lived there for many, many years. But then the time came, we felt the Lord speaking to us about moving again and to the place, present place where we're at, right? But this word that we had, move and move no more, was in the back of our mind. You will move and move no more. What does that mean? Uh, you know, we could have easily stayed there, but it wasn't the will of God for us to stay. So we had to work through that, right? We felt the Lord was speaking to us, and then he began to give us some signs. And So he's like that. He speaks, right? And so that really settled the issue and helped us for that moment. It was a very powerful moment. 
and considered that we'd moved twice a year for over 15 years, I mean, or something like that. I can't even remember the number. That's a lot. And when we got, you know, moving, moving more, it sounded pretty good. So we stayed in there a long time, right? But then we planted this church, and it was time to move again, right? We felt, but then we have this thing. And so interestingly enough, it's this so God's so good. Brings me goosebumps to think about this. So I had never met this man. And then one day, through a series of bizarre circumstances, he ends up in our church sanctuary, accompanied by some other men that brought him along. By this time, he's really old, really aged, and he comes in our sanctuary, right? And then uh, to do a meeting along with some other men, Cheon and uh, there were some others, right? Uh, I think Lou Engel was there, some others, right? So he comes in this company. So he's there, and then I get invited to this house. So I go to the house, right, uh, to have a private meeting with some of these guys, and we're out there, you know, eating everything at this house. And, and, um, and at that time, I was trying to, we were trying to figure out whether we are supposed to move again. So there he was, sitting there, and I said, you know, you gave my wife a word years ago that we were to move and move no more. Do you think that word is still like in place? Because we're thinking about move. He said, no, 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 that was just a season in your life. Thank you for, I mean, I'm struggling over this. And he answers one sentence. That's just a season of your life. That was for what you're supposed to do. Did it work out well? And I said, yes. But that doesn't necessarily going to be there the rest of your life. It just meant that because compared to where you were, what the met was, if you move twice a year for like 10, 15 years or something, and I can't even remember how many, and then you stop moving for a number of years, and he had said before that, I mean, it's right after, two months later, we moved and moved no more for a period of years, Right? That would have been the most we'd stayed in place for a long time, right? So weird God. He brings this guy. It's the only time he's ever been. It's the only time we've seen him since the first time in Texas. He comes here to our place, ends up in the house, and then guess what? I bought that house with nothing in my mind that I would ever buy this house. As a matter of fact, I walk in the house. I thought, well, this is a nice place. I'll never live here, but... Uh, but I didn't even know that. I, but it wasn't even for sale at the time. It wasn't even for sale, right? I wasn't thinking about anything. Just like maybe we could buy a house, and I'm looking for, you know, moving, and because we we're in Laguna Niguel, right? So isn't it weird? So it's ah oh, no. So God brought that man to that place, to that house, which I ended up buying, just to let me know that I'm supposed to move. And he said some other good stuff too. But you see how God works, right? So what we're trying to say is the. Voice of God is wonderful, but it's also fluid. It has, it's, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That means he's constantly speaking, revising, revamping, redoing. There are some days when you have to stand on something and you don't move, right? But you have to make those decisions on the inside and learn the texture of the voice of God and learn, like Israel, when I'm supposed to camp out and when I'm supposed to move on, right? So what we are as a people now, is we are a Joseph company, a, 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 a company of people who are affecting the world in so many, many ways. The warehouse is a good example of that in so many, many different ways. But at the same time, uh, uh, we, we are listening to the voice of God for every step, right? And so that's a Joseph company. And Joseph had this amazing... So Joseph ends up saving all these people, right? Because of his program that he put forth. They would, they would all starve to death, but he actually became a voice to the nations, didn't he? 
It became a light to the nations. And all the world was coming to get food because of the program that he put in place. Right? So it's interesting. Even with regard to our warehouse and where we're at right now, uh, we've become like this flowing stream, become this resource. I don't know if you all have it, but maybe uh, might be a good day. This says Mercy Warehouse Impact 2022. So this is very Joseph-like, right? So we're, you can read this later, but it's all kinds of things. One thing that stuck out to me is we gave an approximate $1.25 million of food away this year. You know, in terms of food that was purchased and given. So assistance went out to over 1,000 people in need every week. And then there's all this other assistance. And the latest area we've been involved with is uh, homelessness and uh, impacting that. And the numbers are growing and growing. We're getting better and better at it. Interesting thing. So when you say Joseph, what happened was Joseph had this word that he was given, but he also had this wisdom about him, about how to do things. So it wasn't just that this uh, incredible economic event is about to happen, but it was, okay, what do we do in the meantime? So he was given the instructions. And that's more of a governmental thing. He was told, okay, this is what you do. You do this, and you do this, and you do this in response to what's, what's about to happen, right? And the Mercy Warehouse is very much like that. It's been evolving for quite some time. It's just one aspect of our church. But I think our church is very much, uh, the more I think about it, uh, a Joseph company, right? So look at Roman numeral 3, solving problems in the power centers of, of the world. And um, I'll just read from uh, Joseph, uh, Genesis 41, 33 to 40. So he says to Pharaoh, now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Then he gets this. So when I say Joseph company, it has not only the ring of revelation to it, but also the ring of government to it. So I think that it, in the land today, we're all trying to think about government, too. Like, how do we govern ourselves? Do I work for that company or do I not? Right? And out of conviction, do I move or do I not? These are all governmental things. Do I go to send my children to this school or not? Right? So Joseph not only had a cosmic revelation, hey, there's about to be a famine, I suppose that the cosmic revelation in our time could have been, hey, there's about to be an outbreak of, outbreak of horrible disease. But with regard to Joseph Company, the place where I think he's taking all of us, it's not only that we have that decision or we see that coming or can see the problems. Some of us can even see some very severe problems ahead of us because of the way we're running our economy and because of the way things are being run in Washington right now. We can see some real problems, Right? And it wouldn't take you to be too much of a prophet to say, I see a bad moon arise. <laughs> My favorite song. <laughs> I think, like, you don't have to have a whole lot of revelation to figure out this isn't good. Actually, more revelation, I'm saying that from a church perspective, more revelation than the average person in the street, definitely. But as a believer, you know, you don't have to, Think too hard about it. We know this is not going. Things that we're doing now are unsustainable. Things that we're doing right now are crazy. There's just a lot of crazy stuff going on, right? But here's the thing, though. 
Okay, so that's one thing. So, hey, there's a crazy thing going on. I don't like what's going on. Yell, complain, blah, 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 you know, get mean, write nasty letters, whatever you can do, right? But here's, you might do that. I'd like to do that occasionally. I'm not sure if my blabbing would ever get to the right place, right? I even thought, well, maybe we should blab more on our local level, right? Because I think sometimes we get out hustled, you know, just in terms of practical things with regard to voting and those sort of issues. But let's throw that off to the side for a moment. Let's just talk about this. Because this is where it goes for revelation. This is where the rubber meets the road. And this is where I think each of us are in our individual lives. So he starts, not only gives the big picture, but he gives the thing. So here's what we should do about it. That's the Joseph company. That's what I love. I want to hear that, right? And for our own life. Hey, there's trouble. They shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be doing this. They should be doing that. Okay, fine, fine, fine. What is it? How does that impact me? Well, I've got to quit my job. No, I'm not going to quit my job. And take the vaccine. No, I'm not going to take the vaccine. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, right? So it comes down to a Joseph company really needs to know how to handle our individual lives, our specific things. Church, meet or don't meet, you know, right? And how long and da-da-da and all this stuff, right? Because so the real revelation for the Joseph company comes down to verse 34. He says, now, here's what we're going to do about it. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. Wow, what a concept. Save money. <laughs> Save money. That's the word. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all his officials, so the government of God meets the government of the land. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Amazing, isn't it? As you read through these verses, right? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace. All my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. (laughs) What an amazing thing. So he puts him in place, right? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second command, and people shouted before him, Make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And all of that proceeded from a problem solved that the government could see was the right answer, the right situation, the thing that was coming. They were alerted to it, but they didn't know what to do. So the real action of the Joseph Company for all of us is how we apply the Word of God over our, the situation, over, over national situations and our individual situations and do what we're supposed to do. And that's where it came down to for us. You know, I, I heard about Church A, Church B, Church C, they're doing this. Nope, don't care. Yeah, it looks pretty good. No, nah, don't care. Nope, nope, I got to know what am I supposed to do. So that's how we played it, and that's how we've been walking. What am I supposed to do? How do I respond? And that's also for all your families and your households. So this whole thing about being the Joseph Company is more critical now than ever. It's so important. Boy, here's the good news. Here's the bad news. Well, I don't want to say the bad news. We already know all the bad news. So forget the bad news. The good news is God's not not speaking. He's speaking. He's talking. Blah, 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 but in a good way. 
and not just necessarily over your latest podcast. We have more need to hear about our individual situation than we do any podcast. We need to know what we're supposed to do. And I adjure you in the name of Jesus, before you move, before you make huge changes in your life that will affect you forever, hear God's voice and make sure you've heard it and get confirmations. It's a big deal. It's a big deal in our time. I think the stakes are higher than they've ever been. I don't want to put anyone in bondage. If it was so hard and so high, uh, the sun above the earth, it was that high, <clears throat> then that would be another thing. You were made to hear God's voice. You have the spirit inside of you. You were made to hear God's voice for your individual situation. So make sure that you get the information direct. And if other people can influence you, great. But make sure it's still coming from you. And you know, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Man, it's been, I don't know how to hear God's voice. I don't know what the big, big to say. Ah, don't panic. If you have the Spirit of God in you and you're saved, you can hear God's voice. Half of hearing God's voice is believing you can hear God's voice. No, I'd say half of it. And then the other half of it is uh, not only believing you can hear God's voice, but then responding to God's voice. Right? And so it's not always science, a perfect science. But you know what? I just got to get moving, thinking you're hearing, and then just listening, listening, and God will always give some little confirmation along the way. He'll help you. It's surprising how He helps you in direction. It's amazing to me, especially when I have to take a big risk. I take that, then He'll kind of confirm it a little bit or not affirm it and get me going the other way. Either way, as I'm moving, so a parked car is very hard to turn, but one that's moving, you can, you can move it, right? Just a little. Think about that. If a car is moving, look, if a car stays there, I can do this all day long. I ain't going anywhere, right? So it's important that we get moving and then the Lord will direct us. You could even turn the car, car all the way around and come back, <laughs> right? If you're moving, right? So all of us need to be have confidence. Can I just speak to you? If you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God came and lived on the inside of you, you can hear God's voice. Hang around churches like ours. We can help you, perhaps. That's why we have prophetic ministries. We're doing nothing but trying to equip you so that you could hear God's voice for yourself. That's our most important destiny, right? Good grief. Man, I tell you what, sometimes people put so much pressure on me. What do you think? You know, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, I have no idea what's going on with you. I don't know. <laughs> then you put so much pressure on me, oh, I think I'll invent something just so it'll get out of here, right, or leave me alone, right? You know what I mean? And if I hear something, I'll let you know. But like if, you know, like I'm like the, the word machine. <laughs> Put the quarter in, out it comes. Man, I'll tell you what. Put the quarter in and you're not going to get anything sometimes. And, and then, okay, I'm supposed to hear. So then it puts pressure on me to hear. Okay, well, maybe you should try this. You know? And it could be the exact wrong thing you're supposed to do, right? So this hearing God's voice is... Uh, Important than hearing from others that are anointed and all that can help, but that's the context because even if they're speaking some a word and it's really true for the whole body of Christ, it may not be influence you or touch you in the same exact way, right? That's why all of us are the Joseph company, right? We can't be looking for Joseph of the hour. <laughs> Grab a hold of him, you know, because then, like in our culture, isn't it amazing? There's all kinds of Josephs around, Josephines too, they're everywhere. This guy says this. This girl says that. No, I heard from that. What about the word we heard five years ago? This is confusing. That, that, that. Good grief. You can go crazy to this thing. But I'm grateful for God speaking and even the paradigm that we have for God speaking, right? 
But we have to manage our lives in the midst of all of this and make concrete decisions, some of which are not too super spiritual sounding. You know, they're, 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 they're different. I mean, I, I can't believe how spiritual I got with regard to that guy. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, this word was given years and years ago. Do you think I should move from that? You know, and he's looking at me kind of, what? Well, oh, of course you'll move. You know, I'm cursed. I'm, God changed it, but that was for your time for you to settle that situation. You'll be, yeah, I'm sure of it. You know, I go, okay, good. Thank God. He said that. The only reason why he said that, I'm not sure if he was so sure that I, I should move or not. I think he could see the bondage I was in from the word I'd gotten, right? <laughs> so he had to untie the word so I could actually listen again. That's what he was doing. So this, here he goes, why so we get tied, bondage and stuff instead of freedom, right? We, you, know, you, you know what I mean? This is, it's really important. And, and maybe we could say the highest goal is for all of us to respect and honor what God's speaking to us and the individual and try to help them along in that rather than being this big direction machine. Do this, do that, do this. You know, man, oh man. First of all, if you ever get caught in that thing, you know, it's exhausting for the person giving out the words. You're God's man of faith, God's gal of faith for the hour, you know. Oh my gosh, you know. Nobody can handle that pressure, right? It's too much. So here's an interesting subject in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. So this is... um, very interesting. Uh, so Israel gets exiled, and then Jeremiah gets a word. So this is Jeremiah 29:47. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Look at this. So they're getting all these prophetic words while they're in exile that we're going back immediately. That we're gonna da da da. God's gonna deal with these people. We're God's people, right? Here's what He says: Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Because they're wondering, like, and I could just see this same word over our culture. Do I get married? You know, I mean, what do I do? All these decisions, many of them, I see people getting in bondage over. <laughs> Here's a Jeremiah. Look, marry and have sons and daughters. Well, like, do we really need a word for that? Yeah, they were thinking, well, this whole thing's frozen. Everything stopped. I think people stopped with that during this time. Put their life, and he's saying, no, just find wives for your sons and give your daughters a marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Here's your real job. Here's your job. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So the emphasis isn't bossing everybody around. The emphasis is pray for this environment you're living so it'll change, so I'll have mercy on it, so you'll do better. Because if it prospers, you'll prosper. And I think that's exactly where we're at right now. Pray like crazy for every government authority figure, all of them. Pray for them, good or bad or in between, because they all influence your life. But you have access. If you didn't have any access in prayer, forget it. It's just like a meaningless exercise. You might as well not waste your breath. But if we really have authority, we really have the ability to change and rearrange things in our culture, in our family, in our household, then this is a great word. Pray for it. Oh, pray for it. Pray for it. Oh, yeah, pray. Say nice things over bad people. I hate these people. I don't want to say nice things about them. No, no, no. He's not talking about that. He's talking about you. Pray for them so they'll be nice to you. (laughs) You understand? If they do well and they're smart and they're wise, then you'll do well. So if you are always uh, 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 like that against the governing authorities, you hate their guts, can't stand anything they do, where's room for prayer? 
Where is it? Well, I prayed for them a long time ago, and they didn't respond, so I... <laughs> Maybe more than once might be helpful. Three times, four times. Persist, keep going, keep going. Because they're in place now. Pray for them. Constantly pray, intercede. Because God will take care of them and channel their heart like water, right? See, fear distorts the voice of God. This is B, 3B in your outline. For the Spirit of God does not make us timid. And that's one thing. Every time things come down that make me want to be timid or afraid, I go, ah, hmm. If you're feeding my timidity, probably not the right word for me right now, or I need to check that word, make sure I'm, I'm careful but not encompassed by it, terrified, right? Because God didn't give me a spirit of timidity, but he gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Interesting words, self-discipline. It means I, I'm, I'm careful. I, I make choices. I, I, I don't spill out beyond my boundaries. I don't panic, right? This is a great way to talk about hearing God's voice. Many times God speaks in riddles, dreams, and visions. Joseph knew enough about God to know that he was clearly speaking to Pharaoh. So that's where it comes in handy to the symbols and the thing. He understood the symbolism, right? That's why we talk about symbols lots of times. And so he understood well enough around prophet. He understood, hey, God's trying to say something to this man. And then by knowing that, then God gave him the rest of it. He gave him the rest of the information uh, that he needed, right? And so uh, I want to look at uh, Acts 2, 16 to 18. So Peter... At Pentecost says, these people are not drunk as you suppose. <laughs> That'll mess with your theology. I want to be like the early church. That everybody looking at them goes, these guys are drunk. They're out of their mind. And so the first sermon that's ever spoken, the first word, Christianity, first Christian sermon, uh, okay, here's the first sermon. These guys aren't really drunk. It's only nine in the morning. Can you imagine? I mean, the wisdom of God, of all the things, clear your throat, the very first Christian is about to preach. <laughs> uh, first of all, I'd like to say, these guys aren't really drunk. It's only nine in the morning after all, right? right? But he says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on people, and what? guess what? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. You and I were made for this stuff. Old, young, sons, daughters, prophesy. See visions, dream dreams. So we aren't going to apologize for hearing God's voice or trying to hear God's voice or trying to be equipped. I would rather try to hear God's voice and experiment and try to learn than just be so rigid and stuff I can't do anything, right? So part of it is we have to have some freedom and some leeway and learn how. Everybody's so worried about doing it right. But, oh, it's so important to us to have a prophetic community that that we train and teach and say, yeah, and be able to, oh, no, it doesn't mean that, and learn kind of a, from each other. And I, I just believe that's why an integral part of the Joseph Company is a hearing company, people that are hearing and responding to God's voice, right? Many times, uh, let me just say this, fear distorts, this is a, a 3B, <clears throat> fear distorts the voice of God more than anything else. So we can imagine... Uh, the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Could you imagine? So in an environment full of fear, right, 
how distorting that can be to God's voice when you're panicking and the whole environment's panicking around you, right? So, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid. So, what's not, so that's really important for the Joseph company. Many times God speaks in riddles, dreams, and visions. Joseph knew enough about God to know that he was clearly speaking to Pharaoh despite the symbolism. This last part is something that I believe we're moving into in a big way, faithful administration, a powerful way to hear God's voice and do God's deeds. So let's look at Acts uh, chapter 11, verses 27 to 30. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. Okay, sounds very interesting. So then in our environment, somebody would say that, and then everybody's arguing whether it was a true word or not. They heard it. They go, this is what they decided. The disciples, each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They did this, sending their gift to elders by to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So they hear this word about a severe famine. So they go, uh-oh, they're already having trouble. They're going to have a whole lot more problems. So they start raising money to send to people that are already vulnerable so that they don't get more vulnerable due to the word. Interesting. So there's problem solving. So Joseph has on the one side revelation, but on the other side this uncanny ability to solve problems. That's who we are in the world. That's why we should make the best employees possible. We should be the best employees. We should be working our way up every ladder because we're honest, we're insightful, we have revelation, we work hard, right? We should always rise to the top. If you're lazy, unengaged, you know, dishonoring, then you sort of get the fruit of all of that, right? So the Joseph company has problem solving in it. And the natural and the supernatural. We learn to work hard and solve problems. We also are creative. I tell people all the time, the guy that hires you is just hit the jackpot because you work hard and you're very conscientious, but you also hear God's voice. You're creative and you work hard. It's hard sometimes to find people that have the same thing, but this is where we're all going. Creative, taking chances to step out, innovative, right? But at the same time, not so innovative that you never work. You're always the new idea guy, but you never see one to fruition in your whole life, right? Your managers will listen to you when you see things to their end, when you bear fruit. As you bear fruit, when you get creative ideas, they start listening. When you're stayed still and you're always complaining and you bear no fruit whatsoever, what are they going to do? You might have the best idea in the world. Nobody's going to listen to you. The Joseph Company is made to be listened to. We are a force on the earth. You are also made to be promoted. Could I just speak this over all of you today? I don't care where you're working. And you may change jobs, but you know what? I think in most jobs, promotion is always welcome, right? I just speak over you. You were made to be promoted. You are the Joseph company. You work hard. You're smart. You're spiritual. You have good sense about you from the scriptures, but also you hear God's voice. You're the most viable thing anybody could hire. You should think of yourself that way. And by the way, laziness is not an option. Laziness is downright stupid. The scripture says laziness is akin to the brother, that, to, to a person that destroys. When you're lazy in your company, you don't do your job thoroughly, you just stepped out of the Joseph company and started being the destructor. You start destroying things when you're lazy, right? But see, a hard worker has also creativity to them. So you may be working hard and something you think stinks, you hate this job, but you know the way out of it is you do well there, 
right? And then you move from there, right, into other places. So do well there, and then look for more. Expect more, or create more, right where you're working, right? To the place where they'll cry when you leave. That's the place we should be. They'll cry when you leave. God will say, leave, and you think, oh, thank God, I'm leaving. Right. And then you're, but you want your boss go, you don't want your boss going, oh, man, so glad they're gone. No, you want your boss crying over you because you were such a great person. You were kind, creative, you worked hard, right? All powerful. So Solomon's wisdom revealed, I just have to mention this, it's one of those times where I know I'm supposed to stop. And I just can't resist, everybody. I know I'm supposed to stop, but I can't. I'm sorry. I got. I got to do this. Okay, I got to do this. Okay, so maybe it's. I, I just wanted to make sure I communicate. Second Chronicles nine, one to eight. Now listen to this. So God speaks to people different ways. Solomon is promoted beyond what he could possibly imagine. Talk about the Joseph Company. He's the Joseph Company of the whole world. The entire world admires him. He's like Elon Musk. Or something like that, right? <laughs> but spiritual, knows Jesus. Maybe, maybe Elon knows Jesus, I don't know. But because of his position, right? You can name several others that are in that same place, right? Look, so look what he says here. So the Queen of Sheba, another ruler, hears about this guy, Solomon. She came to Jerusalem to test him with some hard questions. Arriving with a great caravan with camels, carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones. She came to trade. She came to do business, actually. She came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. And I guarantee you, it wasn't just about huge spiritual things, practical things. When the queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon, now listen, this is what she's looking at. Listen to this. She saw the wisdom of Solomon. When wisdom comes, it's not that hard to see. When wisdom comes. But look what she looked at. The food on his table, the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, the cupbearers in their robes, the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord. She liked that. She was overwhelmed. She liked this spiritual thing and this practical thing. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half the greatness of your wisdom was told me. You have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on his throne as king to rule for the Lord your God because of the love of your God for them, for Israel and his desire to uphold them forever. He has made you king over them to maintain justice and righteousness. Oh, are you getting this? She's seen the justice, the righteousness, and the worship of God in the everyday way he does things. The excellence he does it in, how he maneuvers, how he solves problems of irrigation and how his table set for heaven's sake, everything. She's looking for wisdom about how, what would be the best way to do this and that. And she's finding it all here in someone that's a God worshiper at the same time, and she is totally inspired. Without the God worshiping, she's not inspired. But with the God worshiping and the natural order of things, which she has to deal with every day in her own kingdom, every day of her life, she's overwhelmed. I believe that is a picture of the body of Christ. We do things so well, so much better. We lead people to the Lord in droves. They want to know about us. Already we see this in our region. People come all the time, you know, and just in the little thing that we do around here, even the Mercy Warehouse, which is 
Man, everybody knows where the Mercy, Mercy Warehouse is. It's a beautiful thing. It doesn't matter where you are. I, I run into them everywhere. I say, they say, oh, where's your church? Oh, it's over there, you know, and looking at it. Uh, it's right next to the Mercy Warehouse. Oh, I know that place. I know that place. Oh, that's amazing. I get so much good stuff there, you wouldn't believe it. And by the way, I donate too when she finds out that we run, right? But there's other things we do. Our school. We are the Joseph Company. We should do education better than anybody else. We should do business better than anybody else. We should do missions better than anybody else. We should minister the poor. All this stuff of life. We will make the best universities we have in the past, and we're going back to it. Yeah. If you want to know a secret, we're even thinking about that in our own church. Yeah. Universities. We're not even thinking just high schools. We're thinking bigger. Already. We don't know how to manage it yet. We don't know exactly how that's going to work, but I, I believe it's a seed word right now. It's just beginning to kind of find its way and develop. I'm not sure. All of this movement in our facilities right now, it's Joseph Company stuff. We had to make room for the vision. We had to make room for what we're doing. We had to make room for it. So in this time of downtime, we've arisen to 180 employees. I, never, I, I mean, I, when I heard that the other day, I about fell out of my chair. But it's all this really practical at the warehouse and, and our staff and, and missions and then, of course, in the school, right? But this is what we are. This is what we do. This is who we are. The best of music, the best of art, the best of education, the best of just raw understanding of stock markets and the way things move and finances comes in and out and all of it. Whoa. If anybody has it, we should have it. All we have to know is how do you do that? What are the rules? What, where Include God in it and how to include God. How to be humble at the same time, smart and wise. And how to hear God's voice together and independently and separately, right? So I think this thing of the Queen of Sheba is very interesting. Joseph administered Potiphar's house, the dungeon, and the government of Egypt. Each one prepared the way for more authority and blessing. And we see this in the parable of the talents. Remember? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's the parable of talents is basically each one was apportioned amount and they did well with it. You know, they took what they were given and made more of it. Could I just encourage you, make more of what you have. Listen to God's voice. Expect to be promoted. Expect to rule and reign. Expect to be blessed. Expect to serve. Expect to work hard. Expect to be the light on the hill. This is your job. And if God gives you some instructions and, uh, and you're trying to hear God's voice on it, talk with some others and counsel with them and pray about it and keep going back. But you were made to hear God's voice and you'll eventually get it. And listen, everything in your life does not hinge on one thing. So sometimes people miss the voice of God because they think they've got to be razor sharp every single time. And if they miss it, they're destroyed. No, it's not that way. God's helping train us all. So you miss it a little bit, you learn from that, and you move on. Ah, mess that, okay, I'll move over here now. That's how you hear, that's how you'll grow. It's organic. It's not like witchcraft or some crazy spell. We hear God's voice in process, and all of us can hear because he gave you those spiritual ears to hear because you know Jesus, right? And the thing about it is anything that we do prophetically here, any of the ministries they have, are only to sharpen your ears so you can hear Jesus for yourself and become part of this great Joseph generation in your marketplace, in your businesses, among your children's life, everywhere where you can be fruitful and be of help, that's where we all belong. 
One church, one body, one committee, one Joseph company dedicated to edifying Jesus in the world, hearing his voice and exerting that influence wherever we go. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's all stand. I believe there's a special grace on what I'm saying here today. Um, so I'd just like to have a brief response. If I could have the worship team come up. Maybe you would like just to stay and uh, listen. Uh, <laughs> listening is always a good thing. So when I worship, I listen. Some of my best words of direction for things I have to make come in the middle of worship. Have you learned that one yet? You know why? It makes a lot of sense because the king shows up in the worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. He literally comes. So when you worship, he comes. So when he comes, what is he saying? I always ask him. <laughs> That's why I'm right in the middle of worship. I go, oh, what about this, you know? Eh, I'm not going to talk yet. Okay, okay, more worship, right? Okay, but I listen all the time. Some of the craziest things I've ever heard about what I'm supposed to do came right when I'm in the middle of worship, not thinking about it. And then all of a sudden I hear. I heard some things in worship that made me cry. I tell you, I was worshiping today. I heard God speak about us. It was so awesome. I just, ah, this Joseph thing is us. This is where we really are. This is our church. This is who we are. That's how everybody should be, right? Appreciating, whether you're at the top of business, the top of politics, or somewhere in between, or you're, you're here, or in education, or you're in whatever, your own company, whatever you do, all of you were made to be successful, good at what you do. Smart, smart, smart. Wise, wise, wise. And when you're not wise, be smart enough to go, I wasn't wise. <laughs> Maybe I should make a change here. And always relational with the Lord and with each other. But you know nothing works without loving people and loving God, right? All right, so uh, we're going to do some worship here. And while we're here, uh, I, I feel very strong about it. I did during, I call it halftime, during, <laughs> we're doing worship, right? And we had some response, right? Um, I just think today, if maybe, maybe you've never done this before, but if, as we're worshiping, if you just come up and say, like, just come to the front as an act of your faith, or you could do it from your seat, just take five minutes, maybe even less, two minutes if you want. Just say, God, here I am. I'm in this enigma. I'm in this conundrum. I'm not sure what to do. Have mercy on me. And if you tell me what to do, I'll do it. But I just got to know, in order if I don't listen the first time, would you please try it again <laughs> tomorrow or the next day? God has lots of mercy in this area, but I believe I've created an atmosphere just by the sermon to move mountains to cause major things to happen. Everything in the kingdom is by faith. So when you pray a prayer of faith from a place of need, God always hears. And moments like this are times. It could take you 30 seconds to, or maybe it's in a 15 minutes. Whatever it is, but I wanted to get room for you to respond. So if you'd like to respond and pray over something specific or something that you have need of, why don't you just come to the front right now. And if you need to go, feel free to go. We have a newcomers thing I realized that we're doing. I, I, where is the newcomers thing? Outside in the tent. So if you could make your way out there, uh, it would be great. We have lunch for you. Just introduce ourselves a little bit more. We'd love to have you come. And uh, But I'd, I want you to do that. But if you have something on your heart and your mind and you'd like to just get it straight before the Lord, then I'd, I'd rather you do that and then come on out. The food will still be there, believe me. All my staff was cringing as I said that, thinking people got up a half hour later and they're supposed to. But anyway, we're going to get out there now in a minute. But. 
So I'm going to pray a general prayer. Maybe someone will come along and pray with you. Some of our ministry team, if you can come up. If somebody comes up to you and says, can I pray for you? Just let them. Just, just tell them what it is that you need to know about. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for all those that want to hear God's voice. Join this great company called the Joseph Company. I pray you would help them. I pray for special revelation and insight today. As they're standing there before you up in the front, or maybe even during the tent when we're out there with newer people and we're talking and praying. In Jesus' mighty name.